I have a very strong memory and you'll be able to work out the day of my operation from this. You know, I was coming round and a nurse was leaning over me saying, you know, Mr. Mr. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And I was all sort of drowsy and woozy and said, oh, yeah, yes, I can. And she leant over and said, you won't have heard the news. And I was a bit surprised and I said, you know, what news? And she said, Boris Johnson has resigned. And I said, well, that's most fantastic news. That's, that's really wonderful. And she said, how can you say that? And I said, well, and then I sort of gave some thoughts as to, you know, what I thought about the, the then prime minister. And she obviously took a different view. So I thought, well, perhaps best not to continue the conversation. We have quite different views. Most patients won't miss an event as notable as a former prime minister resigning whilst they're under. But before we get to the operating theatre, let's wind the clock back a bit. As you prepare to undergo surgery or start more ongoing treatment like radiotherapy, for example, you'll no doubt have plenty of questions about the hospital environment. Now what? Your Cancer Support podcast is an NHS podcast series where you'll hear frank and honest accounts from over a dozen cancer patients about their experiences with a disease that at some point, directly or indirectly, affects us all. Consider them your peer support network. I'm your host, Julia Bradbury. In 2021, I became one of the 375,000 people who are diagnosed with cancer in the UK every year. I know firsthand what it's like to have your life suddenly upended by this disease and the havoc it can wreak on your body, mind and everything in between. I also know that with a little bit of luck and a lot of expertise, that surviving cancer isn't just possible, it's becoming more and more likely with every passing year. If you're listening to this podcast, it's likely that you or someone you love has recently received a cancer diagnosis. No doubt you've got questions, and lots of them. Our hope is that this series can provide you with some answers. Our peers come from a wide variety of backgrounds. One thing that they all have in common? First-hand experience with cancer in its many shapes and forms. So think of us as your cancer support group, just in audio form. Today's topic of discussion, the hospital environment. It wasn't something that I dreaded doing, but I do know that there will be some people for whom the, the very idea of crossing the threshold of a hospital is really against all, all their wishes and beliefs and feelings. So. For some patients, the time between learning they have cancer and undergoing surgery can be a long, drawn-out process with many hospital visits in between. Others can find themselves going from diagnosis to the operating table in a matter of weeks. Either way, becoming familiar with the hospital environment, knowing what to expect and what to bring, can go a long way towards making your treatment experience as pleasant as possible. One thing worth acknowledging up front, the admissions process can be tough. There are numerous practical considerations for a start, like parking. Get there really early to get a place, otherwise you, you wouldn't be able to park. And you never know how, the, how long these appointments are. When it comes to surgery, one thing you'll most likely have to prepare for is a very early start to your day. Turning up at the hospital at you know, quarter to seven in the morning 
you know, you're worried about, you know, is the train going to get you there on time? Because you know, you've got to get the first train from our station. And you, you turn up and there's nobody in the hospital. And then you sort of walk down to this corridor and suddenly there are about 20 people all sitting in complete silence. And then suddenly you think, well, this is all weird. You know, where are all the medical staff? And suddenly the door opened and a sort of senior nurse said, right, come in and you'll be allocated a nurse. If the hospital is organising your transport to and from surgery, delays are possible, as is your surgery getting cancelled at the last minute. That can be an especially difficult thing to process for patients who experience anxiety around waiting for their treatment. And it's important we do our best to mentally prepare ourselves for every possible scenario. Another inevitability will be waiting. And lots of it. So sometimes you'll simply find yourself making small talk with the nearest human being. Or in Jad's case, the nearest state-of-the-art surgical robot. There was quite a lot of waiting around. I was interested in, in seeing how many other people sitting, were sitting around in gowns and how much younger than me they were. And that was really a, a rather depressing. And of course, there were a lot, lot of old, old, old guys like me as well. I was prepared for the surgery by a nurse in, in a side room and she gave me these stockings to put. I had to undress, put the stockings on and we had a, had a, a chat about her love life because she'd asked me um, if I was okay and if I was anxious. I said I was sorry about the sexual implications of the surgery I was going to undergo. But apart from that, I was pretty confident. And then we had a talk about her love life, which was interesting. I was uh, led into the place where the surgery took, took place and asked if I had any questions. And I asked the name of the robot because I understand that um, I, I, I know that what I was having was robotically assisted surgery. And the robot's called Da Vinci, apparently. So I said hello to Da Vinci. What you bring with you on the day of surgery itself can go a long way towards making your stay feel more comfortable. Serdar's main piece of advice, for short stays at least, is to pack light. With a big, great big uh, luggage, <laughs> you can see I was going to stay there. So, you know, everybody, I looked around me, and there were obviously other guys, and all they had was a small sports bag with them. I thought to myself, you know, what am I, what am I doing here with a great big luggage? You know, it's like, you know, you're not going on holiday sort of thing. I had everything. I had my laptop. I had my books. I had my, you know, you name it, I've got it. So to pack light, yes, it helps. It helps. Simply because if you got things like laptops and things, then uh, you feel a bit uncomfortable to leave your luggage unattended just in case it might uh, go walkies. So, yes, it would be advantageous, let's say, to be light. Chi, who had a lengthy stay following a complex surgery to treat her bowel cancer, had a more specific checklist of items. Like uh, eye masks and earplugs, which is a godsend. Those, those are first two. And if you don't have that, go and get yourself some music as well and a book. Because, you know, you either will be so tired after uh, surgery or during surgery or, you know, or between that you, you, you need something just to put your mind away from where you are. Sleep is a vital part of recovery, but two things hospitals have no shortage of are harsh lighting and loud noises. 
so a decent eight hours kip can be hard to come by. You need to be badgered every two hours or four hours or, you know, have drugs changed. And all the time there's other people either crying out or there's sensors going off. It is hard to sleep properly in a hospital, but it can't really be otherwise. It's, it's no one's fault. It's just everyone's doing their job by looking after you. And this is the byproduct of it. Bringing along anything that will help you to shut out the world around you will do you no end of good. So I had uh, these noise cancellation um, headphones and that throughout the day, you know, if you drift off to sleep, the music will go on and the noise around you will disappear and it gives you time and your, your body to rest. Whereas without it, you either have to put earplugs on and your eye mask on and, and, and you know, hopefully you, you won't miss uh, dinner. <laughs> in a highly practical environment, comfort can sometimes be in short supply. Uh, slippers were, 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 was also the big thing as well. Slippers, you know, just a T-shirt so that you're not always in your gown. Uh, hospital gown because they've got a little slip the back and you know every time you walk out you know get out of bed uh, you've got to make sure you're not flashing anyone <laughs> so uh, it's one of those things it's just like you know if you know you're going to be there for you know a week or two weeks or something like that then you know get yourself something really comfortable that is that you just slide on and you know the doctors can still you know have a look around when they need to on those days that they do you know, for you, for you and your comfort, it's 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 those little things that make you feel a bit at home. I think that really helps. It's worth trying to anticipate what you think you might struggle with when it comes to managing your emotions during the admissions process. Do you anticipate noise being a major issue? Perhaps feelings of isolation or difficulty communicating how you're feeling to your physician is something you're concerned about. So whether that's earplugs or someone who can advocate on your behalf, think of what kind of support will be most valuable to you. Waking up after surgery is the first sure sign that your procedure has been a successful one. But that doesn't mean that those first few moments after opening your eyes can't be fraught with emotion. I felt sad because I, I wanted, I mean, okay, this, the nurse was there by me, very kind lady as well she was, but I uh, I looked to reach to my to my mother for some reason. I wanted my mother to be there for me, so that's that's why I was a bit sad. And uh, but then I thought, okay, well, Sada, you're uh, awake now. That means that at least you know you're not dead, so you're back to life. Of course, waking up is just the very first step in what can be a long road to recovery, which for many will begin with a lengthy stay in hospital. It's worth thinking ahead about your own personal needs in this scenario and what kind of support you need. That might be as simple as having someone to come and visit, whether that's a family member or a friend, just to have someone by your side. There are also more formal counselling options one can avail of whether that's from a mental health professional or a member of the hospital chaplaincy. If there's a possibility that you may have complications that would result in a longer stay, 
it may be beneficial to preemptively pack a longer stay bag and arrange for someone to bring it to you if you do indeed end up in the hospital for longer than planned. One thing that can catch patients off guard who are expecting their first few days to be nothing but bed rest is that their rehabilitation journey can sometimes start much sooner than expected. And the hospital made it quite clear to me that I needed to get up and moving. But it was like, um, you know, because you've got uh, lines in both arms, you had to move the stands uh, uh, with your drugs or painkillers. And it was like moving two wonky supermarket trolleys. So it was quite hard to steer, but I... I, I could see see the point that actually you need to be up moving, you know, otherwise there's the risk of pneumonia or blood clots or, you know, in essence, you might never get out. So, yeah, no, I was, I was uh, quite enthusiastic and I felt absolutely brilliant until I was sick on the Friday and I was told that in the most good-humoured way that – King's College held the trophy, as it were, for the fastest recovering patient after the surgery that I had. And I just blamed it because I've been sick. <laughs> for Chi, while she was travelling in and out of hospital for checkups following surgery, she found herself seeing the same faces over and over again. And sometimes they offered up nuggets of advice. Another old lady who was probably about 80 told me off when I was doing uh, having a checkup at the hospital and she was asking me all these questions. She says, why are you still having a, a, you know, a clotomy bag? And I was like, well, you know, I'm a bit scared about having, you know, doing irrigation all by myself and all that. And she goes, no, it's so easy. You know, you'll you have, you know, you have a great life. It's so much easier and all that. And I thought, wow, you know, what an attitude. So I did try it myself, and now I, I use it when it works for me, when, when I'm in different uh, situations. It depends on if I'm in a flight. I would do that before I go on a flight so I don't have any issues having to change a bag. When cheese cancer recurred and she found herself back in hospital, she decided it was her turn to offer up advice to patients going through what she'd experienced for the first time. So the second time I came in, and, I, and it was uh, late at night, and there was this lady, um, an oldish lady, probably about 60, and she just she's had her surgery. She's been there for 14 days at least. And she's saying, oh, you know, I should be going home tomorrow, but I don't really don't feel like I'm not ready and all that type of stuff. And I just thought, you know, I can do something. And I, so I just, like, have a conversation with them rather than co them coming to me to me because I'm an observer so I tend to just see something and I'll just go and talk to them you know because that you, you spend so much time in these seats and in these rooms no one's talking and it's really and sometimes it feels quite lonely and grim you can feel the, the you know the, the energy sapping you know when certain people are at the beginning of the stage of their process and I just sat talking to her and I said, you know, what is it that uh, you're afraid of? What is it that making you feel uncomfortable? And she was saying, oh, you know, I still don't know how to do my bag or this. And I said to her, you know, how long have you been in this bed? Have you been walking around? She goes, oh, I've tried and, you know, it's, it hurts a bit. And I said, no, the best way you need to get up, go for a walk. Now, don't sit there. 
you know, that'll be the worst thing for you. Get up on your feet, go for a walk, you know, have a drink of water, come back, sit down, have a think, and just keep going walking. Do that, you have the confidence while the nurses is here, and everyone is able to help you around. And then when you get home, you've got the confidence of the nurses on the phone, email them with any questions, they'll answer it, it's so easy. I think she was there for another two days and she you know, she did say at the end, like, yeah, you've convinced me I, I, I should go home. And I said, you know, that's the best thing because you'll recover. You know, you don't want to sit here looking out of the window or, you know, for the next five days, do you? Once all said and done, the end goal is to get out of hospital as soon as you're physically and mentally able. Hospitals are fabulous places when you're really ill but really they're like prisons otherwise so you cannot wait to get home just cannot wait when I was brought back onto the ward after you know the compulsory intensive care I did not feel ill and it was before chemotherapy started so I'm talking about after surgery and the week the week before chemotherapy started, I think it was only about a week, week's interval. But yes, like I said, I was euphoric coming home, absolutely euphoric. <laughs> but of course, the hardest work is often yet to come. But that wasn't the end of the story and no one knew what the end of the story was either. But for my part, the major surgery had happened and I was back home. So what should we take away from this episode? First, logistics, logistics, logistics. How are you getting to and from the hospital? And how early will you have to leave to make it there for surgery at the crack of dawn? Secondly, what's in your suitcase? Whether it's a short stopover or a lengthy recuperation, make a list of all the things you'll need whilst you're there. And finally, a moving patient is a recovering one. So it's vital that you get up and about as soon as possible. On the next episode of Now What? Your Cancer Support Podcast, our topic of discussion will be life after surgery. But I was in no pain. Uh, the impairment, as it were, was I uh, woke up to discover that I had a catheter st uh, sticking out of my penis and that was, an, um, I'll say, a novel experience. Now What? Your Cancer Support Podcast is an NHS podcast produced by What's The Story Sounds. It's hosted by me, Julia Bradbury. For more information on the topics discussed in today's episode, as well as links to additional resources, please check out our show notes. This series was created by the leading cancer specialists at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital and their patients, whose personal testimony you'll hear on this and every other episode of the podcast. We're beyond grateful for their contributions. This week's episode featured contributions from Chi, Dave, Jad, Mookie, Sirdar, Teresa and Donald. This episode was produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. Executive producers are Daryl Brown, Sophie Ellis, Stephanie Fraser, Naomi Good, Zainab Noor, Jessica Nyman, and Julia Tadeo. Special thanks to Placida Ojinaka, Abiola Coca, Evan Russell, and Guy's Cancer Charity. <laughs> <laughs>